Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm Brett McGrath. You already know that. It's the hobby hustle. Let's go. Let's get this party started. Let's get going. Shout out to all you listeners who check this show out on launch day, who are habitual Stacking Slabs listeners, who say, you know what? I'm going to throw some slabs in my AirPods and I'm going to get my Friday going. I'm going to close out my week strong because I know that there is a rich sports card conversation on the other side of this. Shout out to all you and shout out to everyone who's sliding into my DMs, giving me that feedback that fuels the fire. I can't wait to share this episode with you today. It's a hell of a freaking conversation. But before I do that, I got to shout out and I got to plug the basketball card fanatic because we are, the clock is ticking on this offer. If you want an annual subscription of the Basketball Card Fanatic with that Stacking Slabs discount, now is the time. Now is the time to go to www.paypal.me backslash basketball card. $80. Put Stacking Slabs in the note so Adam knows it's coming from me. This offer expires on the launch day of this episode at midnight. We want all of you to enjoy the damn magazine because it is so good and it is such a rich piece of content. And I think, you know what, when we partnered up and I talked to Adam, I said, what can you do for me? What can I give to my listeners to give them, get them on board and get them reading your magazine? And we decided $20 discount on that year long subscription. Don't wait. Now is the time. Hopefully you all got a chance to jump on the Instagram live that I had with Adam. I'm going to be doing more of that, but we had a great time previewing Magazine 3. It it is just, uh, it was a great conversation. It's in my Instagram feed. So if you want to check that out and get a little more sneak preview about the uh, Magazine 3, definitely go hit my IG feed. All right, Basketball Card Magazine, shout out. This episode, we've got our three-time, yes, three-time guest of Stacking Slabs Hobby Hustle, my man Chris, House of Jordan's card ladder, bringing the knowledge. Like always, we talk about the basketball card market, the football card market. We talk about where our basketball's right around the corner, baby, and we, we get into that, but we also spend some time putting a little commentary over the hobby, talking about infrastructure, talking about opportunities, and talking about having some hobby humility. Whoo, baby, I am fired up and ready to share this one for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Hobby Hustle. I am here with, you've got the record, my man, three-time guest, the man behind Card Ladder, House of Jordans, and everybody's favorite Friday night hobby party, the crossover. Chris, how in the hell are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. It's funny to think of the crossover as a party because like the topics are for at least hour one, very sober, you know, we're talking like real hobby topics and issues and stuff. And then hour two, it definitely becomes more of a party. Yeah. I, um, I always try to stay up and make it happen. Cause I, I just think like the live experience is way better than the recorded, the recorded like experience. I did it this past week and I watched you guys on Saturday morning, which 
Um, I try if I, if I have to, I'll do that, but I prefer to be there live because <laughs> chat in the interaction and it's a cool way to meet people, man. I like meet people that are coming from your and Josh's network and it's, it's just fun. Everyone seems to not take everything too seriously, but ask good questions. It's a fun uh, experience. That's, that's great. Yeah. You, the live chat, it might even be the star of the show. Honestly, the stuff that happens in the chat is sometimes phenomenal and often hilarious. And you never know who's in there. It might be Brett from Stacking Slaps. You never know who's in that chat. So Lefko, Lefko usually uh, has an appearance. He's hopping right. in there usually. He has his questions beforehand, too, which I am always impressed by. Dude, he is such an asset to the hobby, man. And uh, I, I absolutely loved the interview he did with you. Um, it was it's hilarious. Uh, the metaphors he comes up with to compare stuff in the hobby to stuff that's not in the hobby are uh, exquisite. I love it. I know. Definitely a, a good ad. And uh, I think we're all better for um, his mind and his his curiosity, I think. And he he talked about it. And I think that's just a topic in general. I'd love to chop it up with you about. Um, but maybe we start here. I feel like just in interacting with you over DM and then watching you from afar in your feed. Um, it looks like you've got a, a new LCS you're going to, a little oh. life a little life transition. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, man. So we're back in the Rockford, Illinois area now. And uh, I love being here. Get to see my family. And it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice change of pace from living the big city life far away from everybody for a long time. Uh, it's so one of the nice things about coming home, uh, you know, new LCS. And, and I love my LCS uh, experience in Los Angeles. Terrific. Uh, you got Burbank Sports Cards, which is a legendary shop. You have the bullpen, um, home of the uh, Brady one of one that was just pulled for a, one of the Kardashians. Uh, <laughs> so that was bullpen LA. That was one of our local card shops. Um, you know, and, and then you could go, LA has so much sports card activity. Um, it's just, it's, it's like one of the best kept secrets in the hobby. The, the level of activity out there is amazing. Not just in LA, but the whole area. Okay. But so we had to leave that. We came home to Rockford. Uh, there used to be a shop here, um, that was downtown, but I know that the owner closed it down to start a bar. Um, and so that just left one shop. Uh, to serve this community, which like is like a gold mine for the owner, I think, <laughs> to just be the only shop in town. Uh, and it's called JT's Sports Cards. Uh, technically, it's in a town called Loves Park for anybody who's in this area. And uh, dude, that place, man, is loaded. Um, every time I go there, I have to cut myself off. So like the last <laughs> time we went, um, we picked up these two boxes. Okay, this is 2013-14 Prestige. He, he just had two boxes of 2013. I mean, Giannis rookies, Kobe autos, you know, just sitting on the shelf. But I'm like, all right. And Christina, you know, she's all, Christina is a bad influence. <laughs> Christina always just wants to buy things. And so, you know, she was like, I she was like, do you want to get one of those? And I was like, yeah, that might be fun. She's like, okay, we're getting two. So we get these two. I, I pick up a whole box full. So like, this is the other thing about the LCS too when they have singles. So I just pick up a whole box of singles. Yeah. Like, what am I even doing? I'm buying like Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, Carson Edwards, like green prison. I'm just buying things because like, I'm not used to this being at the LCS in LA, you know, you, you're, you don't have these boxes just loaded with like 
the, all the key rookies from like prism and stuff like they just don't have it. And this shop is just, is just five rows full of it. So I'm just buying all of it, uh, indiscriminately, honestly, like what, what is this? A Shea Gilgis Alexander, like emergent silver. I'm just buying everything. And then, uh, to, to grade it. Uh, and then they yeah. have like all these graded rookies. Like I got my Randy Moss tops, Chrome BGS nine, five from out of the display case. I got three different Curry rookie BGS nine fives out of the display case. It's just a gold mine, man. It's just an absolute. And now, you know, hopefully there's nobody <laughs> no, in the area listening to this so it can stay my gold mine. But. Well, yeah, everybody who probably walks in there is is going for the wax. And being in uh, LCSs now, it's people, what I've noticed around here is it's a lot of people looking and just staring at the wall of wax and walking back and forth and trying to look at the prices and then spend about a half hour and be like, all right, I'm going to take this one as opposed to people looking through singles. And I, I just, it, it, it's, I don't think it's a lost art at all, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people that have a strategy and say, you know what? I'm a Luca collector. Luca cards are super expensive in order for me to fund these Luca cards and new Luca purchases. I want to go into the LCS and buy, you know, a Carson Edwards green prism and get it graded and spend the, you know, 20 bucks total on that with the chance that he's going to get some PT next year. And then that card might five X and then I can put that in the Luca fund. Is that kind of your mentality as you're going through those singles and submitting them to, you know, your grading service of choice? Yeah, it is. Uh, I love to hear your characterization of the LCS experience. I feel like we don't, as a community, we don't talk about the LCS experience very much, but it's so interesting. And there's so many awkward moments when you're at the LCS, like, when the owner or the person who's working there is trying to maybe like nudge you into buying something, many <laughs> awkward moments happen at the LCS. And it's just this like weird, intriguing <laughs> world. And then when other people are there, you know, kind of like watching to see what you're going to buy and it might influence them to like cut in line and try and get it. If you're like sitting like, in, like I'll be sitting there, somebody will be eyeing maybe one box that's left of a product and they'll be eyeing it. And I'm like, how long do I wait before I say, okay, <laughs> I would like this box. Are you buying this box or not? And then of course they're going to buy it. So like there's so many awkward moments that happen. LCS is, I would love to hear more about some of your experiences at them. I, and then you, and then you made a second topic too, which is like, what's the goal, right? Buying all these singles, dude. I mean, honestly, like I like to think that there's a grand strategy here that I will grade them and I will sell them and hopefully at the right time. But also it's just really fun to buy singles of, cool prospects from the key brands yeah grade them get the grades back you know see some tens and some nines and hopefully not too many fives and sixes i always get a five or a six it never fails totally it never fails but you know get the grades back it, that the process itself is fun irrespective of the ultimate end whether it's to flip them keep, it's definitely not to keep them in most instances but like the process itself is is almost a sufficient reward it's just fun. And it, and it gives me purpose, makes me, I convinced myself I'm doing something important when I spend two hours going through rows of cards that like, there's a, there's a point to this. Uh, so it's just fun. I think is really what it comes down to. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I've, I've toned it down quite a bit, but now I'm back in it and everyone's probably going to hear more of it. But when I got all my cards back from grading, it's just, loaded with Sekou Demboye because I, this is a prospect I believe in. And now I literally like, I have 
stacks of prism silvers. I've got mosaics. I've got optics, all, like all in slabs that now I'm like, you know what? I, I don't believe in this guy. Look at all this inventory I have. Like, I want to go and buy his cool cards. Like, so I'm in this mode right now where I'm searching eBay for Seiku Gold, Seiku, you know, BGS 10. And I'm just buying because I'm like, I've spent all this time, money, money and energy. It, it kind of, I was thinking about it today. It kind of reminds me of like G and his uh, Luca collecting where he sought out and he was like, now I'm just like, I can't sell these because this is a guy I believe in and I've, I've, uh, I'm attached to. And I like, literally like, of course I care about what the Pacers are going to do this season. But like, dude, every day I'm just newsfeed. Seiku, what's he doing? Oh, he's playing with Kevin Durant. Oh, like there's stories. So I think like, that's a fun thing about sports cards and just like prospecting. Like it shouldn't be like maybe everything you do, but it should definitely be a piece of what you do. Dude, it is. It's it. It should be, man. Uh, and 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 it gives a lot of insight into kind of how the hobby works. Uh, you know, it's it's insightful. And you know, so that it reminds me of like what's going on with the NFL right now. The NFL is carrying the whole load right now in sports. We, you know, normally in early November, the NBA excitement is very high. Right, we're in like the second or the third week of the NBA. We're starting to get a little bit of sorting of the pack. And, and like, we're not quite in the dog days of the season yet. The World Series will have just wrapped up. You know, hockey, I'm not a big hockey guy, but I believe hockey things are happening at this point in the season too. Uh, now it's just the NFL carrying the load and it's just different. And it made me appreciate, and this is no shade to the great NFL collectors out there, two of which were on your most recent show. Uh, but NBA prospects are, are just a little bit more fun and a little bit different because it's more day-to-day. It's, it's, it's not like you just you go out and play one hour a week and then we just have to figure everything out based on that. And then lots of uncertainty can happen and like all of a sudden guys are splitting carries or Le'Veon Bell gets signed or, you know, like NBA is, is on the one hand more consistent and less injury concerns. But on the other hand, the prospects just you have daily news updates on these guys, uh, just like how you're describing with Siku. Um, it's the same for all these prospects. I mean, you can dive in as deep as you want to with them. And it just really makes me want the NBA back. We'll really be back in harmony when we have NFL and NBA at the same time, because having both, it's it's like having two great wide receivers, like having Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley on the field at the same time makes each one a little bit better. Having the NFL and the NBA at the same time, I think makes each one a little bit better too. So I'm missing the NBA prospecting thing right now. Hardcore. I'm with you. And I think just, you know, football has definitely been an interesting, um, just football cards in general have definitely been interesting. And I think, you know, you know, I had Lefko on here and we were talking about, well, we thought things were going to go like fantasy football wise. And that's just not the case, which, you know, it, to me, it's, it, it is what it is, but it just, I think it was one of those things where, just in general, the market was pulling back at the time where NFL was getting ready to go. And there was all this hype and the hobby is so much about hype. There was so much about hype behind all of these players before week one kickoff. And now like you start to see like, you know, the consistency of these skill positions on a day, a weekly basis. It's really hard because of matchups and it's outside of their control in a lot of cases. So I think for me, that's been super interesting. Just in you, you being in the data and card ladder, what have you seen on just any themes on the football side that you, you want to speak to um, yeah. this season? Yes. So 
the NFL, as far as the hobby is concerned, has crowned several breakout stars this year. Um, one very recently, uh, Tua. Uh, after Tua's game yesterday, uh, which would have been Sunday, um, obviously, <laughs> the 8th, I think, or whatever, I already saw it even – so like I've already seen all of Sunday's sales – and his stuff set all-time highs in se- on several different cards. The most interesting one maybe being the Donruss Optic Preview Hollow. Um, two of those sold. One went for like a really high price. That card's like over 500 bucks right now. <laughs> That's um, absurd. Non-slabbed. Yeah, Non-slabbed, right? Non- this is raw. Right, this is raw. And so very small sample size. Football, you get these like super strong reactions to just one game. But, but there's like a, a real like king of the prospects has been crowned this year which is uh dk metcalf um his market is rivaling the market for some of the hottest quarterback prospects even exceeding it um so like and and you have to take pop reports into account stuff like that but like his prism base psa 10 is selling for more than josh allen's comfortably so josh allen's prison base and it's different year different pop reports but the 2018 prison base for allen it's about 350 bucks right now for Metcalf, it's about 435 And the pop is low. It's 160 But that is a very strong price uh, for, you know, a, a young receiver um, who's with a great quarterback and a great team. His Prism Silver did 1500 not long ago. And then the most recent sale is 1200 So, and, it, and it's not just the these um, investment-grade cards either. It's, you know, obscure sort of like autograph cards and stuff. Um, Lots of his stuff is just really, really hot right now. And, uh, and, and, you know, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. He had that chase down tackle, right? And, like, everybody saw that. Everybody, sports fans of, of all stripes, if they know DK Metcalf or anything, it was that unbelievable chase down tackle that he performed. And it, and it was a great summary of who he is as an athlete. Uh, and I think like, you know, you have like, that's like a, a moment that kind of like triggers or such a chain reaction. It's like a catalyst. That's the word I'm looking for. That, mo- that moment was like a catalyst for his dissemination into the consciousness of like mainstream sports viewers. And I think that lines up with the hobby sometimes that the replay of that tremendous play put him on, on a lot of people's radars. And then he's obviously a tremendous receiver. So like, that's one thing I'm definitely seeing is like, we are seeing some guys trail off. Very few football players have held the value that they had going into the season. He has absolutely, Metcalf has absolutely exploded. Yeah, on Metcalf, I was very, very wrong about a lot, a lot of players in terms of guys who I thought on the skill position side were going to see elevated prices. And part of that was with because just there was pullback and hype before the season. But one of those guys that I was happy that I I hit on was DK. And before we hopped on, I was telling you, I had I have a ton of DK and grading, cool prism, auto stuff that I'm dying to get back. And I think for me, the part of the reason why I thought DK was going to be a good buy was one, Russell Wilson is his quarterback. And I mean, Russell Wilson is incredible, good system. But part of it was these moments he's already built and created and starting back to last season. And I think just, you know, you can go back to Odell's catch, you know, years ago that people are still talking about 
these moments I think matter and they, in football, they matter almost more than any other sport, I think. And I think DK is going to continue to climb because when he makes one of those plays, like running down the field and making that tackle that literally that, that saved them a touchdown. That's it. They didn't score on that play, but when he guy gets a touchdown, it's like a video game. It's like, if there was a person who should be in a kaboom card, it should be DK Metcalf. I don't know if there are DK Metcalf kabooms, but the guy is like, it's like watching like NFL street watching him play. So I think you compare him to Josh Allen. And I know Josh Allen is back on the rise after an awesome performance this past week. Uh, But if I'm looking across Josh Allen and DK Metcalf in terms of excitement, and I'm just a casual fan, I'm probably going to be putting my money towards DK Metcalf. That's my reaction. No, I, I, that's, and that's great. Uh, Skills position players, I think is still largely uh, uncharted waters from uh, the perspective of like, are these investments, can they sustain value long-term and guys like Metcalf are making a strong push for, there is something very translatable to the hobby in their game. I do. I, I, I hope Panini's listening uh, because a Metcalf kaboom. Yeah. That card would be <laughs> phenomenal. I you just hit the nail on the head with that one, bro. Some of the other players that have had some interesting things happen. Lamar Jackson. First of all, the Ravens are a contender. Lamar Jackson broke Dan Marino's record for the best record for a starting quarterback in his first 30 games yesterday. He's 25 and five. And I believe he's only lost to one quarterback ever, or I think it's two now, that are not named Mahomes. But the hobby is out on him. And it's not, that's, that's too strong. The hobby is not out on him. But whereas people were once paying upwards of $4,000 for his prison-based PSA 10, that card is now comfortably south of $1,000. That card's like in the $800 to $900 range right now. That's a pretty big retreat from the high that it, that it experienced. Now, if we take a, a longer-term view, he's still up considerably from where he was last season. There's lots of factors there, but uh, Lamar Jackson is a guy who has taken a dip. And, you know, I'll tell you this. If the Ravens pull off something special this year, Lamar Jackson prices right now are going to seem like an absolute basement bargain. Totally. And I think just with Lamar Jackson, the, the I know it seems like in a lot of different uh, interactions and people I'm talking to, it seems like, you know, a lot of people are down on him. but the thing about Lamar Jackson is what I like and I like right now compare comparatively is that the Baltimore Ravens are like, they are one of the teams in the AFC not named Pittsburgh or not named Kansas city that is in a super bowl contending type position with an excellent defense weapons on offense. So if, if I'm making a bet on someone right now and I've got an extra, you know, thousand dollars to make like, or to, to throw out a card like Lamar Jackson doesn't seem like a, a terrible bet for me. Well said. And, you know, okay. So QBR wise, he's about like 16th. The last I looked, so middle of the pack QBR. So like the statistical magnificence isn't quite there this year. Uh, the MVP, I don't uh, things could change in the last eight weeks, but probably not going to see a repeat there, but it's like you said, uh, you know, the Ravens are, if I'm, Fortunately, I'm the fan of the Bears, and we fear every team. But even, if I'm the fan of like a, a contender, I don't want to play Baltimore. <laughs> that, that team is stout. Uh, and Lamar Jackson 
you know, if he's having a great game, you can just forget about it. You're not going to be able to stop that guy. So the, the hobby moves in mysterious ways, but people have cooled off on Lamar. Maybe they got a little too high on him. Another guy we're talking about is Kyler. I think it's fair to say that Kyler Murray has met expectations, maybe exceeded. Uh, yeah, the guy totally. is, he is the fastest looking quarterback, <laughs> the fastest looking player on the field when he decides to scramble. He's got a force field around him. No one touches him either. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> he, uh, and, and I think like it hasn't, um, he hasn't had enough uh, mainstream moments of exposure yet. The guy's style play is invigorating. Uh, maybe a weird comp is like Steph Curry or something. Because uh, yeah, totally. Uh, yes, I agree. He, he's, he has a style of play that is inspirational to anybody out there. That like, look, you know, you might not be the biggest guy, but hey, you can find your way and you can do unique, special things from the quarterback position. It, it was unthinkable to have a guy uh, who, you know, maybe the, the whole thing was you have to be a tall quarterback and so you can see over the line, right? Yeah. But like, that doesn't, that's not even an issue with him at all. The guy's even better when he's, when he's on the move. So, so Kyler has like, in, in my opinion, based on the expectations that I had for him and for the Cardinals coming into the season, he's exceeded them or at least met them. And people are talking about the Cardinals as potentially one of the best teams in the NFC right now. And they've had some very close, tough losses to some very good teams. Uh, their record could be even better than it is. And I think they're five and three. Mm-hmm. That Cardinals are another team that I don't think anybody wants to see come playoff time. Uh, but yet, you know, there has been a, a retreat in Kyler's market uh, from the highs. So like Kyler, uh, one card I'm looking at is like the optic uh, 2019 base, uh, Kyler Murray optic PSA 10. It got up to like 600 bucks in late August. And it's about 300 bucks. Now, um, it's only a pop 85. I, you know, if, if Kyler Murray, man, the guy is, is a special player. And to be fair, um, you know, it's the card is selling for more than when it first came out, uh, the optic, but like, and, and in fact, you know, the card is, is except for, we saw this like weird August boom, across everything in the hobby and almost nothing in the hobby has been able to keep what it reached in August. So you have to kind of take that into consideration, but look, you know, I don't know, man, I'm riffing a bit on Kyler, you know, more than me. What, what are your thoughts on Kyler? Yeah, well, I, the, we could turn this into the Kyler Murray hype show right here. And I could talk <laughs> about my, my, I could write my love letter to Kyler Murray. Here's the deal. So I, for everything you just said, I completely agree with and like, but the one thing that not a lot of people talk about, this is the real reason why I'm really happy that I'm deeply invested in Kyla Murray for plays like at the beginning of the Miami game, which was a hell of a game, arguably could have been one of the top games of the year. It seems like every game Kyler sends one of the top games, but the heat strip fumble touchdown and you know, a lot of young quarterbacks that's in their head and it's over. Kyler Murray, he's already a consummate pro. He shook it off. And my God, what he did after it, touchdowns, running touchdowns. Like this guy is, this guy's a winner. He's a baller. Like I, I like in my card collecting, yes, there's a prospect side of it, but like, if I'm going to spend a lot of my heart and earn money on it, on a guy, I want them to be a winner. And so Kyler has been a big bet because, you know, it was 
is the transition from year one to year two, is it look like what I think it's going to look like? And I agree. Like he is not only performed at the level that I thought he was, but he is vastly exceeding my expectations right now. He's a special player, man. And, uh, you, you know, whoever I'm talking football with, uh, the opinion is pretty universal that he is absolutely electrifying to watch play. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, you had kind of the mirror match, or not a mirror match, but uh, a match of two underrated quarterbacks who are changing the way football is played when you had him versus Tua, but especially when you had him versus Russ. I think you got three quarterbacks right there, man, who are very exciting, very collectible, uh, potentially. You know, with football, God, it's you always have to like, as long as they stay healthy and as long yeah. as their team holds up around them and stuff, as long as the offensive line stays healthy. But before we get off, before we get off the football topic, I, th- I want to talk to you a little bit about what you're seeing just with the, I know you mentioned Tua and the absurd sales on his cards, but, um, what you're seeing on with some of the other guys, I had a trip to the LCS back to the LCS, uh, story here. And I wanted to get my nephew something. And I was like pacing. I was like, if I, if I'm here, I got to get something to rip. I ended up settling on, I think a set, uh, a couple packs of a couple cellos of uh, mosaic basketball and then a uh, uh, hanger of mosaic football in the mosaic football. I got, I pulled a Justin Herbert orange reactive and I was like, this card is money. This is why I like, I can't go back to the LCS for like another month because there's no way I'm going to hit like this again. And so I immediately, um, you know, I consulted with some people, Andy sports card investigator, who's a pro subber. He's like, you got to express that. So I expressed it. I paid the 75 bucks. And then there's that moment of trying to see, got the grades in and looked, and I hit a 10 on it. So there, there's three of them and I got one of them coming my way this week, which I'm fired up about. But now I'm in this position where I got it all along to sell, but I've been watching this kid play and my goodness, he is a stud. So I'm like, what do I do with this card? But I'm interested just with like Burrow, him, what are you seeing with their cards uh, recently? Dude, let me tell you, man, when you have a loaded draft class, uh, it does not materialize in the hobby immediately. Um, and I'll use the 2018 NBA draft class as a illustration. That class was definitely heralded during their rookie seasons, but all the great rookies, you know, Luca, Aiton, uh, Trey, uh, on down the line, Devonte Graham, Shea, they were all losing. Um, they were all losing. Like their teams were losing. And we were all trying to feel out who they were. So a lot of the momentum, despite the fact that this was a very highly touted draft class and they had strong rookie seasons, the momentum was not quite there yet. By the time the 2019-20 season started and Trey and Luca in like their first two weeks were just absolutely phenomenal. In fact, this is like, I remember this, but I, but many people might not, but like during the first two weeks of the season, the Hawks, uh, looked like a formidable playoff team. And Trey Young was hitting buzzer beaters and uh, had several like games, like scored 38 or 39 points. And then he he had this like unfortunate ankle injury that sidelined him for a few games. Like the Hawks lost some momentum and John Collins and everything. And, it, you know, they just, they couldn't put the pieces back together. And the Mavericks went a different way. And Luka had like, you know, one of the great Novembers. But it was then, right? It was in the second season 
and Shea Gilders Alexander, all these guys having coming out parties in the same year. It was that second season that the 2018 draft class really had its momentum, pick up steam. And, you know, I, I, dude, I listened to the Ringer podcasts, a lot of them, and uh, including Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons on three straight, maybe not straight, but on three, the last three episodes of Bill Simmons that I've listened to, he has used the words Panini, Mosaic, draft class, because he, first he got it for his son. He got them blasters of a mosaic football. And he was like, oh, the rookie class is so awesome. This is so much fun. On the last episode, he said, uh, which just came out last night, uh, which I listened to is like, I'm going through all this data. Uh, Bill Simmons said uh, that he thinks uh, this draft class is going to save the football card industry, which like little <laughs> does he know, right? Like this, this industry is going nuts right now. He's like, he's like, this is going to save it. Cause he's like, this is such a great, great draft class. And Herbert and Tua, you know, Burrow, you have all these studs in the draft class. He's like, the cards are just so cool, you know, and, and it's and it's just amazing to 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 talk and to think about this draft class. So I think about your Herbert, your your Herbert card. Herbert is losing games, like mm-hmm. like painfully losing games. Like I I know the feeling having followed the Mavs in like 2018, 19 season. Just Bro, losing. they want they want and got it taken away from him this week. <laughs> And dude, when I, I don't profess to be an evaluator, a great evaluator of football talent of any talent, but especially not football, but like every, every smart person I hear talk about football says Justin Herbert is a specimen. And so, you know, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, taking profits, as they say, and letting that card move on to somebody else who, you know, wants it at that price and wants to keep it, you know, and maybe wait for next season or we'll PC it forever because they just love Justin Herbert. I don't know. But the other side of that coin is like, we do have some historical precedent that like when you have a really great loaded draft class um, there, the sophomore year can be equally, if not more important to the hobby hype as the rookie. There, that, that doesn't help in my decision of what I'm supposed <laughs> to do with this card once it comes. But, you know, as I'm thinking about this and I'm like, you know, let's say I can get 500, 600 bucks for it. Well, that's great. That's great ROI, and that's money that I can go put into somebody like a John Morant that I'm collecting, or um, like a Siku that I'm collecting. But then on the other side of it is, man, I'm having fun watching Justin Herbert and having just a card to attach myself to. So, I mean, those are, I guess, those are good problems to have in the hobby. Yeah, they are. Um, you, me, and you were chatting the other day, and we were saying uh, there's there's actually something to be said about ripping your own product and grading your own cards. Um, you know, you, first of all, the condition is likely to be better than a random sample from eBay. And then, you know, second of all, you get the fun of the rip too. It's like, you're kind of in the, the great, you're in the, the ideal situation that anytime somebody opens a blaster, they ultimately want to end up where you are, which is a PSA 10 coming home of a sweet parallel of a, of a hot prospect. Right. So like, it's, it's hard to lose. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, that, I would just see the glasses half full no matter which way you want to go with it. I like it. And one of just because you brought it up, the one thing that just I'd love to get your perspective maybe a little bit deeper on this, but everyone, like all the sharps in the hobby, right? Everyone says, don't buy wax. Like it is, it is it, too expensive and it's not worth the gamble, this and that. But then on the other side, you see people going out there and hunting these singles on eBay and then going and subbing them. Well, here, here's my experience. 
all cards that I ripped myself, my first PSA sub that I got back, 25 tens, 23 nines, one eight and one five. Those are all my cards that I paid to get. So that's a high percentage where, as opposed to cards that I'm taking the chance to buy singles and seeing the condition. So like, I think there needs to be more conversation around like, it's just as much of a gamble to go out and buy some singles on eBay, especially if it's a product that's been around for more than, you know, two, three months. Very true. The the one time and shout out to that PSA five, by the way, do you know, is there, did it like have a surface scratch and maybe you didn't see it first or something or. This is why I love the internet. So I, when I, when I busted open the box, I looked at it and it was a, a, a Seiku uh, pink hyper uh, optic. And I was looking at this card and uh, Jordan sport card analytics was in the chat and he goes, Oh yeah, look for the print line. Those cards are infamous for bad print lines. And I looked at the son of a bitch and there was just this fat print line right across the middle that when I, that I didn't know what to look for initially, but yeah, yeah, it's there, but I'm going to keep it as a memento. Why not? Right. Dude, I've, I uh, have uh, is equally bad as I am at evaluating talent in general. I am bad at evaluating cards. That's another reason to, for me to not buy eBay singles, but to rip boxes and just hope and pray. I've probably gotten at least a dozen cards now over the years that graded like six or worse. And every time, you know, someone points out to me like later, like, oh my God, the centering is terrible on this card. What were you doing? I was just like, I don't know, man. I guess I just must have been in the rhythm, you know, where I'm just like, I got the microfiber out. I'm just listening to a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, this card's getting a 10, baby. I'm just, oh, it's leaving it, putting it in the pile. And then it comes back and like, Christina's like, what are you like? This is like, 90 10 top to bottom and i'm just like uh i was just in the zone just just great and everything so that's another thing to recommend uh ripping your own product and sending it for grading and you know uh i've got piles of stuff it's all from like 2018 19 prism uh just just keep your cards too that's the other yes that's, that's the other advice just just get the five row boxes go to the lcs get a couple of five rows and just keep them all because dude I, I i was rifling through them the other day and i'm like holy crap, I have like five Miles Bridges red uh, prism red waves. And like those were not worth grading six months ago, eight months ago. And now those are, you know, over a hundred bucks a pop is PSA 10s. And I was like, I have to grade these now. So keep your cards. The one time I tried to do the whole, like buy a bunch of stuff on eBay and grade it. I bought like nine Baker prism base PSA or well, they weren't graded. yet. I brought nine Baker prism base cards raw from eBay. And then I got uh seven nines and two tens. So I got killed on that. And I also don't, I hate dude. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I hate buying a card and then it's not gradable. And I'm just like, what the heck do I do with this card now? I yeah. hate, I hate ungradable cards. I almost send them in to get graded anyway, just cause like, I just want it in a slab this way. The whoever buys it from me knows what the condition is going forward. Um, and then I also like hope and pray that maybe it's something I get to 10 anyway, but uh, I, I hate ungradable cards. I just, ugh, if they have like surface flaws or something, I'm just like, what do I do with this card? I don't want to pass this on to somebody else. What do I do with this? I know. I, and it seems like all the ungradable cards I've ever got have been from eBay sales. So I've been trying to balance my activity. Um, maybe, maybe we can jump to just while we're on the transition topic and basketball, I know is coming up. Um, I know basketball is a, a big focus of yours. Um, I would be curious to know, 
and I, when I think about the basketball market, like I think about Luca, I think about LeBron, and I think about Giannis. It seems like that. There, yes, there are tons of other guys that matter and are important, but it seems like those three are the most important right now active players. And I know Giannis, there was a ton of pullback on Giannis after he got bounced. Now it seems like people are being like, oh, well, you know what? This Giannis guy's actually pretty good. I might want his cards again, which it's like, yeah, no shit, everybody. And then LeBron, I know like after he won the championship, um, maybe the prices weren't didn't boom like everyone thought they might when they bought the card six months ago. And I, I just imagine Lucas stayed pretty steady. So I'd love to get your perspective on just like those three guys in the market and what you're seeing with their cards right now going into NBA season in about a month and a half. Yeah. I'll speak to the two that I've dabbled in in the last few months. The most I ever, I, I did a big trade for a LeBron, kind of like a dream come true story, the way it all worked out. It's the most I've ever done value wise in a deal, which like people who know me, my MJ collector buddies, Luca collector buddies will find it hilarious that I never collected LeBron, right? But I get one LeBron and it's a bigger deal than any MJ or Luca I ever did. So first of all, I saw an opportunity in the LeBron market after the finals. And I think many of us had anticipated that this was going to happen because we saw it happen to Mahomes. Uh, after a player has a big moment, um, I, this is, first of all, I'll tell you what happens and I'll tell you the theory behind why I think it happens. After a player has a big moment, their market retreats, sometimes very significantly. Uh, and then why does it happen? It happens because uh, I think... Many people totally understandably, logically think that after a player has a big moment, it's time to sell their cards. The demand will be super high. This is a great time for me to sell. The problem with that is many people think that way. So uh, when when the quantity of people who become sellers who were not sellers before expands, in some cases exponentially, it can cover up the fact that demand has increased too undeniably demand for LeBron increased after he got his fourth ring and there, and it made the topic made its rounds through all the, the NBA podcasts and sports podcasts, the goat debate, who's the goat LeBron keeps putting notches in his belt, keeps making it more and more of an interesting controversial discussion. It made me want to acquire LeBron card, which I did. Uh, So the demand for LeBron, I think like unquestionably increased, but the supply increased even more. So the supply like wiped it out. Uh, and and that, that's just what happens when a player is a big moment. A lot of people intuitively think now is a good time to sell. The, one of the great counter intuitions of the hobby is that it's actually a great time to buy. A, a, an all-time great player after they have a great accomplishment, one of the best times to buy them uh, is, is literally right after they have that big moment, which is, a, which is like a sweet reward for the pure collector who's it. the type of person who's just like, I'm not trying to predict the market. I'm not overthinking things. LeBron just won ring number four. I want a new LeBron. Let me go to eBay. <laughs> that, that, that purity gets rewarded uh, in the market because those people are going to see LeBron cards go up as the season starts, as speculation begins, and things get more and more exciting. Uh, so, like, I picked up the 2018 Prism Gold LeBron PSA 10. That's a great sweet, card. <laughs> it's so, such a sweet card, dude. I'm so freaking grateful to have it. <laughs> It's serial number 10 of 10. Uh, so I love that too. Cause like it kind of symbolizes the 10 finals appearances at the time when I got it. It's so like that little memento for me. 
And I, the, the, I was able to make a deal on it because, you know, I've always kind of just graded cards and just honestly, sometimes I get too lazy to sell them. I had a pile of cards of like LeBron stuff that I had graded uh, that came out to like a lot. It was a, it was a valuable pile. And I got in the, and it just so happened that the seller is a good buddy of mine and he's also a dealer. And so he would love to convert from a grail down into a bunch of cards that are more liquid immediately and that he can like sell half of them and keep the other half and wait for LeBron's market to go up again. And I'm a grail hunter. So I, you know, that was one of those things, like, you know, like I'm, you're going to, you're sitting on a pile of graded cards here, maybe if it's growing, it sounds like by the day, sometimes you get an opportunity like that, where it's just like you, and, and that's why the dealers in this industry are, are crucial um, because the, because you can link up with the dealer. You're going to take a hit. Like I took a hit, you know, I didn't get full market value for the pile. Uh, but I said, dude, how about I swap this pile for this grail? Uh, we put in a little cash and like, in another card and he was like yeah we can do it so i i got to spare the expense of all the selling and everything got to do a trade and doing a trade is great too because then there's no accounting associated with it either i don't have to keep records of everything i don't have to there's no accounting going on it's just a freaking trade boom boom grail comes home so uh that's that's another maybe under under uh discussed advantage of having those piles of those slabs is like dealers baby dealers will work with you and dealers keep grails specifically for those type of situations. So it can happen. All right. So that's, that's my thought. Can I comment on that? Yes. So I, I I love that. And to me, listening to you tell that story that my biggest takeaway is the importance of relationships in the hobby and you're, you having an existing relationship with that dealer to make that move. And I just think that's important. We got to all, we got to build the relationships. We got to talk to people because you never know when that card's going to pop up and there's going to be a situation where you have a stack of slabs and you got a grail and you can work something out that's in the interests of both of you. Well said. I I love the stacking slabs. Uh, Just (laughs) everything just came full circle right there in a way that I, that I had not a thought of. Yeah, dude, you stack those slabs, baby. And the, and you can have a lot of fun. Okay, so like I'm I'm high on LeBron um, going into this season, dude. Just to give the prognosis that everybody I think is already aware of, the Lakers are uh, Vegas favorites to repeat. Um, <laughs> they're going to be tough to beat, and they're probably going to make some pretty sweet offseason moves. I think it will hurt them if they lose Rondo, and it sounds like they might because I think Rondo was like a really big part of their playoff success. But uh, I think they'll add other pieces, and they're going to make other moves, and like. That team's going to be tough. I think Anthony Davis is still getting better. Um, I think LeBron is very close to prime LeBron. Um, <laughs> it's just it, maybe he's not as quite as athletic as he was, but he's filled in other parts of his game. Uh, and, you know, Vegas favorites to uh, repeat. So <laughs> there's a lot to be optimistic about with the <laughs> Lakers. Uh, <laughs> just point blank. I just think that that's true. Uh, Luca's hype and his market have gotten so high uh, <laughs> that I'm very concerned. Uh, very, very concerned about his market right now. So I was looking at market caps today um, because his prison-based PSA 10 is now like crept back up to 1500. We have several sales like right at 1500 that seemed legit uh, for the base PSA 10 prism 2018. Uh, the market cap for that card is the seventh highest of the f- roughly 5,000 cards in Card Ladder. 
the only cards higher are three grades of the Jordan 86 Fleer, two Charizards, and the LeBron uh, Exquisite RPA. And so that, yeah, that's six. And so, yeah, so Charizard, Jordan, and LeBron. And it, and the LeBron, it's the LeBron Exquisite RPA, BGS9, that's higher. So, like, okay. And then seven is Luca Prison Base PSA 10, population 14,000 and counting. Uh, it, the, the, it's higher than the LeBron Tops Chrome PSA 10. It's higher than Kobe. It's higher than everything. Yo, go ahead. I think you, yeah, you no, no, yeah. That's 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 absolutely insane. And dude, I got like, I'm hold on. So I'm staring at this card, <laughs> ten, <laughs> and I've got I've got this card, and I love Luca, and I love watching him play. But I'm trying. I'm like every time I see this card, I'm like, when is this gonna drop out the bottom? Is is it gonna drop out the bottom? Do I is this card the the next Jordan rookie? Like, what is this card? So, like, what what is your perspective on someone who's not like PCing Luca, but just has this card? What do you think people should be doing with it? Just keep it, hold it. Let's see. Like, I know there's no right answer to this, but what advice do you give? Before last summer, the summer of 2020, before that, it was unfathomable that that card would go over a thousand dollars in value at that time. We were like, the pop is so high. Uh, and it was much lower than it is now. It was just unfathomable. It would go over. I remember, um, uh, there was a podcast, a sports card podcast on YouTube that was saying it was a debate, uh, among like three different hosts of whether or not that card could ever be worth a thousand dollars as a PSA 10. Like it was evenly like, oh, I could see it. I maybe not. <laughs> then August hits and it goes up to $2,000. At one point, that was the peak um, in in everything went crazy in August uh, in that. And then it came all the way back down to like twelve hundred. And then it really found uh, support, as they might say, at twelve hundred dollars. And now it's back up to fifteen hundred. And uh, you always want to look at other parts of the market to make sure this isn't some weird anomaly. Make sure it's not being manipulated, um, it, although that's always possible, even if it's happening across multiple segments but like there's reason to suggest that the card is trending back up again because the prism silver psa 10 also is showing a similar percentage gain relative to where it was a month ago so in that card i think is like coming up on 8k now i think the last sale was like 7500 so like <laughs> that card is, is pop 2000 uh lower market cap than the prism based psa 10 but so that card is trending back up too. You look at his contenders optic autographs, those cards are trending up. I mean, first of all, like in this Luca market, I'm not a, I'm not a buyer. Um, well, I say that, but then I keep making offers on stuff. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like the hype is just so high right now. He's the MVP favorite in several sports books. I'm not sure in all sports books, but there you could easily go find a sports book right now in which he's the MVP favorite. Uh, which sets expectations at just about the highest they can get for a third-year player. Uh, you know, and the, one of the things that propelled his market was exceeding expectations in his sophomore year. So, like, dude, the expectations are sky high. I, I look, me being the person who has sold Luca twice, uh, a lot of Luca stuff twice. I sold a lot of stuff going into the 2019-20 season such as like an orange PSA 10 for like the web for like 3,700 bucks. And that card is like probably 15 X that now, and then sold stuff again 
uh, going into the bubble and that stuff it like tripled um, after <laughs> the bubble. So like, look, don't take advice from me on this topic. I've said <laughs> early twice with great uh, regret, but if you wanted to sell Luca, like there is an opportunity, I think coming up here um, to send a box to PWCC or something like that. I mean, the hype, the expectations have never been higher going into an NBA season for this guy. But, you know, don't come looking for me and say, oh, (laughs) but when he's like, when he wins, when he wins MVP or something, if that were to happen, uh, you know, because it can. um, But, dude, as far as like prospects go, like, dude, I don't know. It's I think we talked about this a little bit last time. It's like Ken Griffey Jr. or something, dude. It's just like this. This guy is just freaking hobby gold. Every time I think it can't get higher, it does. I don't know what else to say, man. But that's my take, man, is that I think expectations and hype are super duper high right now. Yeah, it's he's in the hearts and minds of everybody in the hobby, and he's got this brand about him because it goes back to like the DK Metcalf conversation. He's had these moments, and people have seen these moments. They might not watch a full Mavericks game, and they might not know that they're the most efficient offense in NBA history, but they've sure as hell seen Luka hit the game winner um, against the Clippers. And once it, that's all it takes. People's attention is very, very low. And all it takes is that YouTube clip in an Instagram story for someone to be like, you know what? Everyone's talking about this guy. I want, dude, I get, I get messages all the time from people randomly just asking me, Hey, by the way, do you have any, uh, do you have a Luca PSA 10? I'm, I'm out looking for one. And I'm like, I get this message enough. Just like randomly from some people that I'm connected with that I don't really know that I'm like, like, is it time to sell this card now? So like, I think there's a lot of people in the hobby based on the population of this card going into this season where we're trying to figure out what we do with this thing. Just one last little thought on Luca is um, this is true of Luca is true of a lesser extent to Zion. There many people have come back into the hobby in the last two years and they have really gravitated to new players in new products. And the hobby is, um, I think, like really, really high on the new guys and new hobby money is high on the new guys. So it's encouraging to see Kobe, Jordan, Brady, Peyton, Vintage. It's, it's, it's great to see that stuff rising with the new guys because like, that stuff will be really important if we, you know, God forbid one of the new guys falls off the map. It's great to see that happen, but like it's uh, to put a more optimistic spin on Luca, like and Zion and some of these other guys, they have like invigorated this hobby. And there is a reason why people are so enthusiastic and excited to collect their stuff. And they define an era. That's why, like, uh, the, the LeBron, when the 2018 Prism Gold LeBron. Uh, became available i was like dude this is a lebron card for my pc i think 2018 19 products and especially prism super important and will be important in hobby's history i think like draft class is the overriding factor that ultimately determines which products and which sets and which years are super important going down the down the line and I just think you know 2019 prism uh, holds a special place in the heart of a lot of people in this hobby and a lot of memories and nostalgia are always going to be there like for that year in that draft class. Um, and obviously I think there's a lot of great players in that draft class. So like Luca Zion, they have invigorated this hobby and 
as, as much as I want to um, recommend caution, which I think is just a good strategy no matter what, I wouldn't be completely shocked if we still saw Luca, especially like Zion coming back. You know, there, there a lot of crazy things going to happen this year. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to wrap our my head around at some point. Um, we covered cards, uh, the market. Maybe I want to kind of close out with some conversation just regarding just like the general commentary on the hobby in general. I got on card ladder today and i was looking at it and it looked like just based on your database there's like two billion is two billion would that be right two billion dollars worth of cards in that i just think this is just card ladder and then i think about just the market in general and how many transactions there are and i think about all the interactions and instagram and ebay and everything else and to be like i study markets for a living and i look at this market and then I look at all the things it doesn't have. It lacks a lot of regulation. It lacks a lot of infrastructure. This thread with people of saying like, you know, a lot of like hobby content isn't very good because like people are going out and it's like they're walking into, you know, Notre Dame Stadium with a megaphone and they're just talking like they're talking to everyone in the market where a lot of people don't care about general topics and there's defined segments that, exist like people that jump that exist but don't have definition people that jump into the crossover every friday night like they are smart they are they've been in the hobby they might poke fun at the investment side a little bit they're collectors but they enjoy the interactions with each other and i'm not trying to like segregate the hobby by any means but i do think like it, there's there's time right now where we really start, need to start thinking about the infrastructure that supports the hobby and also the segments that exist because the, I've never seen a market with a demographic where you've got kids all the way up to people that have been collecting cards for 30 and 40 years and the interests and what these people care about different. So that's a lot. I just kind of unloaded the chamber, but I, what's your perspective on just like, the market infrastructure and just your thoughts in general. Dude, that's a great, great point. There's, we have a very weird chasm uh, where some of the, the smartest people in the hobby are people who are very successful professionals at something completely not hobby related, such as yourself, such as everybody from Nat Turner, the legendary, maybe the goat collector all the way on down. These are very smart, savvy people in the hobby and of course in other facets of professional life as well. So like we have these great people, many great people, but they already have jobs and things that they do professionally and they come to the hobby for a distraction and for a release and for fun and just to enjoy it. So that <laughs> makes it really tricky because then you have professionals in the industry and in the hobby uh, some of whom have been around for decades companies, brands have been around for decades and did not anticipate and who could and and did not tool themselves for the possibility that this hobby would just absolutely go berserk. And so you have this weird thing where like you super savvy people participating in it. And then you have professionals in the hobby who maybe just are not completely prepared for what happened to us and the demand that hit. And so like, how do you get those, some of those people who like have 
wealths of collecting experience who have amazing collections who are super smart and just encyclopedias of, of information and passion is there a way to like bring them into the hobby to become professionals and i don't know if there is like that that might be a big problem like you could be completely crazy like me and do that and enjoy the ride and see how it goes but, um, but I, let, let me let me interrupt the hobby is way better because someone like you is doing what you're doing like and I like I can't imagine my life without card ladder at this point. It, it's been so helpful for my onboarding to it. And I like where you're going with this, but I think I'm going to kind of like jump on your take and just say, I think the hobby in this industry needs people to cross over from what they are doing professionally and point that energy into the hobby and innovate because I think more innovation needs to exist to support what is happening. 100%. And, um, and, and you, the wheel doesn't need to be reinvented either. I think grading is a space where, hey, if a couple people got together, want to take a risk and really try their hand at implementing some of the ideas that have been brought up. Uh, marketplaces uh, is another space that perhaps, but you know, by the same token, the, the flip side of the coin is whether it's path dependence or some other reason, we should be careful before we disrupt too much, too, especially too quickly, uh, because there things did get to where they are. Uh, and if we don't fully understand how or why they got to where they are, we might end up throwing out something that's actually really important to where to like why we're successful right now. And there's there can be two different paths. Like so you have like path dependence, right? Where like you get to a point. But it just, it was an accident of history and it's not, and, and you don't need to keep that part of your, your scheme. But also there are, there are different institutions in place in the hobby that are super like important to like why it works right now and why it's able to function and, and operate right now. And we, I just want to be too, I want to be careful. I want to counsel caution once more that we should really like understand our industry and understand how things got to where they are before we change too much. You don't want you don't want to like rattle this cage too much and end up changing it too dramatically too quickly. There are some things out there that do worry me in that they are a little too unbridled in their enthusiasm and they're a little bit too much of a deviation from the norm that we might not need. And so like I think there there's a, a healthy compromise between improving things but keeping in place the great foundations that like have enabled this hobby to be successful over many, many years. It's like, there's, there's gotta be a compromise somewhere there. Well, I don't quite know exactly what it is. Uh, so, you know, that's just like a big picture philosophical point of view on that is like, you know, let's build on the success we have. I think that's what I'd say. Yeah. I think from my perspective and someone, I agree with what you're saying. Don't destroy what's got the hobby here. Um, but then there's a part of me too that, you know, working in technology and solutioning problems that exist. Like I look at a guy, you mentioned his store before. I look at a guy like Rob from Burbank Cards. Dude gets on freaking IG and tells the world what he's doing every day. And it's incredible perspective. And he's talking about this technology transformation that him and his store is going through. And he's giving, like, talking about the pains and the issues and what they're dealing with. And I think about this and I'm like, whoever, like, has a software company or ideas, like, just go jump on his page and watch his videos for the past, like, month. But I think about just, like, 
what if he had the right technology in place and nothing's ever going to be flipped. Uh, you're going to switch the flip or flip the switch and it's going to be good. But I, I just think of his pains and his story and his honesty. And I'm like, man, what if technology existed? How much time would this save him to transition to this new world? Well said. Well, very well said, dude. That's the perspective you bring that's unique and that I, I love to see flourish. You know, Lefko has said on several occasions that one of the reasons why he loves the hobby is because he'll post a piece of content and he can read the comments section. <laughs> and, and like, and there's smart things in there. Whereas like other audiences of more mainstream content will just be full of content. You're an idiot. You're stupid. I, you know, but the hobby has nuanced takes, you know, it has smart people involved in it. It's one of our best assets is our people. We have great communities and great people. If ever there was an area where you could do no harm by improving, by just by coming in and trying to improve, I, th I think it would be making it even more effective for this community to interact with its, for its various members to interact with each other and to be able to share and communicate even more effectively. Like this is just going to be like a random thing, but like, dude, Instagram group chats can only have 32 people. Now there's, there's probably a lot to recommend that, right? That's probably is a good thing, but like, there's just lots of these limitations in the ways that we're able to interact with each other that maybe could be improved somehow. And, and that would be a way to really leverage one of the best parts of this hobby, which is the community and the people. Totally. I love that. Maybe we close with this. I think we could both probably talk forever, but one thing I want to close with, and I wanted to touch on this because you and Josh brought it up a couple of weeks ago on um, the crossover, just this topic. And it goes alongside with communicating with others in the hobby. And that's just having some hobby humility, um, which when you were talking about hobby humility, it, to me, it just struck a chord because it was something I've been thinking a lot about. So maybe from your perspective, share what you mean um, by hobby humility for the audience, because I think a lot it, the message will resonate with a lot of people. Sure. Humility, <laughs> this, is, this is like such a weird thing to say. It never came supernatural to me. Uh, I had to make many mistakes in my life, fall flat on my face many, many times. And then I didn't have a choice but to be humble. And then I, once, you, once you have humility sort of like is your only alternative, you start to realize that, hey, being humble has a lot of upside to it. And it's actually a way of life that is like, highly recommended by me. Humility in the hobby um, would be things like recognizing that like uh, if you get, if, if something breaks your way to understand the role that like luck played in it, you know, there, there's an impulse in the hobby to think like we're all Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, um, but we're not, you know, much of the success, like, like I look at so much data, dude, and whether it's DeMar DeRozan's Topps Chrome Refractor from 2009, PSA 10, or whether it's Trey Young Galactic, I don't know why that card's in my mind because Lameen was showing me that, or whether it's LeBron, whether it's Kobe, whether it's Jordan, it's been pretty uniform. They've all 6 x since February. I look at the numbers. I look at numbers every day, you know, and like part of like when I write ladder headlines, I like sometimes I'll take a card, I'll be like, okay, how much has this card improved over the last year? I see that number over and over again, 6X, 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 6X. So, you know, Jordan collectors think they're all geniuses. 
tray collectors think they're all geniuses. But the what the numbers actually show is that the hobby just expanded. Just many more people came in. Tons of enthusiasm infected this hobby. And the marquee players and the big names all pretty much uh, went up the same amount. That's very humbling. <laughs> you know, like when you, like I could sit here and say, oh, man, I just think I have a great eye for prospects. But I, I don't. I'm not a talent evaluator. I'm just a guy who likes cards and who just has fun doing cards. Some breaks my way great. And if it doesn't, acknowledge that stuff too. Uh, you know, definitely acknowledge that. It makes me feel better when I'm on Instagram and I see somebody say, yeah, I bought 20 Ken Griffey uh, Tops Project 2020s by Keith Shore as well. It's like, yeah, I did that too. Those are worth like two bucks a piece. <laughs> it, it creates a good energy in the hobby when we, when we can celebrate each other's successes uh, and, and also celebrate, you know, when things don't go our way too, because they, they don't always. And in the hobby is um, is going to be filled with ups and downs and stuff like that. So like, I feel like humility and then, you know, what goes hand in hand with humility is ethics. So like you mentioned something really important, which is that we don't have regulation, but even as you and I were talking here, you know, you have the ethical backbone to say like, Hey, I, you know, Kyler, I'm, I'm high in Kyler. You guys know I'm high in Kyler or, you know, this card, that card. And I have some of these Siku, you guys know I'm high in Siku. I have some like just that voluntary disclosure of like, this is who I collect and I'm talking about it. I'm giving you my advice on it, but I also own some of this too. So like that allows people to filter um, the discussion. And, mm-hmm. and I, sometimes content creators are scared to say that they maybe have in their possession, you know, certain cards that, they, that they're talking about because maybe it removes the objectivity of what they're saying somehow. But I think it actually works in the other way. Totally. I think if you tell people, hey, like I'm big on this player and I put my money where my mouth is, I think that's a, a more ringing endorsement than trying to make an objective observation. So uh, I think like voluntary ethics where no, there's no code or regulation out there that says you have to do that, but voluntarily doing it makes our community more trustworthy and more transparent and more reliable. The humility and the ethics just go together because when you're, you know, humility says, I'm going to, if I make a mistake, if I do something wrong, I'm going to talk about it. If something goes well, I'm going to talk about it. I'm just going to try and be transparent and open and honest, uh, incredible. And the more we voluntarily do that as a community, the more we say, I am going to like step up and kind of like try to just make that the standard ethics, transparency, just like really practice that stuff. It makes us better as a community. It makes us look better as a community and it makes everybody's experience better. So I don't know. That's my thesis on, on hobby humility. I think it's really good and um, agree with everything you just said. I think the one thing is just in terms of like one thing we shouldn't do, which happens is everyone just basically takes the 2019 draft class and one way or the other, they're saying everyone should buy these cards, but positioning it in a different way. It's like, no, they're not all going to hit. So like we all see that. And then your point to what you were saying about just, I, I have these cards, but I'm not sure whether to share or not. My my feedback just to the market, and there's been so many new content creators, me being one of them. I started this in, in March, but like my, what I won't try to do in every piece of content that I create is be authentic. And what people need to realize that are out there creating content and sharing um, their perspective on cards is you got to be real and you got to be authentic. The more people are being real and authentic in the hobby and sharing like, 
successes, and but also sharing failures, the more people are going to resonate and want to follow those people. So like, that's just my piece of feedback based on what you say. I think at the end of the day, if you're listening to this and you create content, just be authentic, like 100% that it'll get you a lot farther than you not being authentic and share, withholding information about what you have and this and that. There's this grimy, I try to not refer to it, but I do. It's kind of like the underbelly of the hobby in a bit. And it's, man, like, yeah, like you're, you're trying to take advantage and like people that are spending as much time as you, you know, building a platform, building a company around this, uh, me creating content. It's like people can, that are spending a lot of time can see right through that. And so I love your perspective on hobby humility. I hope everybody out there listening um, that message resonates because I think it's really, really important. And the more people that are being humble, the more better relationships and interactions we're all going to have. Well said, man. Dude, only since March. I can't, dude, you are such a staple of the hobby content landscape now. It's, uh, it is quite a feat that you've accomplished that. And it's been, God, eight months. That's unbelievable. Having fun doing it because I get to sit here and on a Monday night as we record this and just BS about the card market and cards. And this is, this is therapy to me, man. This is, this is fun because we're all in our own heads so often. Like, what if I did this? And what if I'm, am I looking at this the right way? And that's just part of like, you know, buying cards, but it's fun to just sit down and yes, we're recording this and yes, I'm going to share this. And yes, I'm doing it because I, I, I love this. But in like, this is for everyone who's following me, but it's also for, for me because like, I'm getting a chance to talk to someone who's deeply invested in the hobby and who's trying to solve problems. So I think like that that's like my my, my closing note is if you're creating content and you're talking with people, like treat it as therapy because it can be very therapeutic. Dude, it is. Every time, man. Every time we do a piece of content, I feel great afterwards. You know, it's it's great to just share thoughts on the hobby and enjoy it on that that Socratic back and forth dialectic level is fantastic. So well said. I'm going to just throw this out there. Um, we'll go back to football in closing. Give me your Super Bowl pick. Give me your Super Bowl winner and give me your Super Bowl MVP. I'm putting it on you right now. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Kansas City and Mahomes. Whew. We got a legend. A legend is <laughs> a, a certified legend status if that happens, right? Yeah, no, that's true, dude. And, and I think they are the prohibitive favorites. But, dude, with football... Any given Sunday, man, as they say. I'll tell you what, though. If I'm putting my money on one guy in the NFL right now, his name is Patrick Mahomes. Chris, thank you so much, man. This was awesome. Again, we'll have to get you back on. 2021, man. First quarter. Guest on Stacking nope. Slabs. Javi House. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Every time I talk to Chris, it's like, hey, Let's pull the plug on this because we can talk for hours. It's always going Broadway with Chris, baby. That was a ton of fun. Hey, go check out Card Ladder. Use my link, www.tinyurl.com backslash stacking slabs. What are you doing? The content, that's one thing. Content on that platform has been fire. I've been enjoying it on a day-to-day basis, so make sure you're checking it out. Go follow him. Definitely follow Chris underscore H-O-J on the IG, House of Jordans on Twitter. What are you doing? Go follow Chris. Go follow Stacking Slabs. Hit that subscribe button on the podcast. Tell a damn friend about the pod and my Instagram. I'm having so much fun meeting everyone and new people on a regular basis. Let's keep this 
mojo going, baby. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we will be back to talk to you next week. Peace.